Blog Talk Radio. Local, 
whether it's um, state, whether it's national, just a lot of stuff going on that's impacting a lot of people. And, you know, that's what this radio show is about, to talk about those things. I know I was just with my man Hollis Winston, uh, one of our guests on the show who's always coming down to bless us, with whether it's business or we're talking about uh, politics. You know, he just became one of the co-chairs for the African-American DFL Caucus last Saturday. Shout out to him. Shout out to his lovely wife, uh, wife Latrice, um, and, the few, and the other people who, who won over there. And <clears throat> what I loved about the process was Brother actually, uh, he, he actually went out, and he got the people involved that people normally don't see in these processes, the people that always get left out, but the policies or the things that people do not stand up for normally affect these people the most. So he brought a lot of them along with him. He came up with a sound plan. And, you know, it's, it's always dope to see a plan works out, work out. It's almost like my man from uh, the A-Team Hannibal when he says, I love it when a plan comes together. It's always great when you see a plan uh, come together. Brother ex- executed it quite well. Shout out to Hollis Winston one more time. Uh, you know, we have to start playing this game with chess on every level. And the one thing I like about Hollis is, you know, when I was talking uh, to him about, you know, what he was going to do and how he's going to do it, brother ain't coming in like he got all the answers. He just knew that a lot of the stuff that was going on just wasn't right, wasn't helping our people. And that's what we need. You know, we need people who are willing to get in and, and get things fixed. So, you know, if you're out in your community and you feel like, man, they're just not giving you guys what you need, what you deserve, man, go out. Make sure you yourself get involved in the process. Put together a team. And this ain't just politics. I want to say this clear because I'm not that big of a fan of politics. I honestly believe that we can do better if we focus on more than just politics. But anything you know, that's going to help the ball move forward on this board. We got to see it through. We got to play it, and we got to play our positions. Politics is Hollis' thing. You know, your thing might might be economics. So, hey, if you got to put together a co-op full of African Americans to buy a grocery store or to just start buying property, let's get it done. All right, so the title of the show, let's focus on that. I want to hop into that real quick because, man, it's some wild stuff going on right now. It's racism, sports, politics, and tomfoolery. All right, so tomfoolery, definitely, because it's always uh, abundance of that going on. But we want to talk about what the the, the hot topic right now is Cam Newton. Cam, oh, Cam, Cam Newton, Carolina Panther, quarterback, Number one draft pick, 2011, Cam Newton. Cam, dabbing Cam, Cam who's giving balls away to the fans in the stand. Cam who gets criticized for dabbing. Cam who gets criticized for ripping the fan down, the sign down of the opposing team that he was going up against. 
after the game was over. You know, that Cam. The Cam who people seem to feel as if they have a right after they harshly judged him pre-draft, during draft, after draft. During these five years, Cam has been getting some un, um, unneeded criticism. And if you watch sports, one of these things that's interesting with sports that you always hear, and if you're a parent and you've got children that's involved in the sports, you're going to hear this a lot. They always tell you that, well, man, it's the brotherhood in sports, and racism isn't that really isn't prevalent in sports because it's the brotherhood, and when you're in the locker room, and then it's more of the brotherhood, and then the brotherhood this and the brotherhood that. I, I want to point you to some facts about the brotherhood in sports. There's only one African-American owner in the NBA. African-Americans by a large percentage are the predominant group who's playing in the NBA. I guess the void of racism in the locker room don't transcend to the boardroom. Let's look at the NFL. Hmm. Another large majority of African Americans being the main ethnic group playing football. But once again, let's look at the manager, I mean the ownership. And there is no African American owners in the NFL. All right, all right. Maybe that's too much to ask for. I know a lot of y'all out here say, oh, man, we done came a long way, and you want to bring this up. All right, well, well, let's go to coaches. How many coaches do we have that are head coaches in the NFL? 32 teams, you got six head coaches. Six head coaches. Now, some of these head coaches are retreads. They've gotten fired, rehired other places. That that rarely happens. You have the new hire, Hugh Jackson. You have Marvin Lewis. You have, what's my what's brother's name, man? Mike Tomlin from Pittsburgh. You have, so we got, that's three. You have, uh, what's the brother's name? Jim Caldwell. For the Detroit Lions, that's four. I'm trying to make sure I name you all. I ain't trying to forget anybody. Lovey just got fired. So Lovey would have been the fifth, but he just got fired. Lovey Smith, um, from you who follow the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, former Chicago Bears coach, he just got let go. Is there any more coaches that I'm leaving out? So I got, so I got Mike Tomlin. I got Marvin Lewis. I got Hugh Jackson. Jim Caldwell. Ah, all right, there we go. My man inside of the Jets. Um, Man, I forgot the brother's name. He makes five. All right. That's 
five. That's five. That's five. So maybe it's only five. Five out of 32. Love you would have made six. Five out of 32 teams. But when you look at the number and the margin of how many African Americans play in the The racism is not transcending at that point. That's not transcending racism at that point because you're still looking at the fact that we are the predominant group. But yet still, as as the predominant group that's playing the sport, it doesn't transcend the managerial jobs. There's there's almost little to no African Americans. I think it's maybe two African Americans who who are general managers in the NFL. I believe we have more in the NBA. But we have one owner in the NBA as well. But these positions, these positions of power, these positions of authority, that's not transcending sports. And it doesn't transcend to the analysts either. So when you hear these analysts breaking and you hear these analysts talking about the players, the way they talk about the players in a disrespectful tone, the way that they are always talking about players like Cam, even in the draft, even after the draft, it's always in a condescending tone. It went from us not being smart enough to play, not being smart enough. Then they start using Cole. Oh, well, you know what? He doesn't read the progression. See, see, the problem is he won't read the progression. He'll he'll take one read and he'll run. Well, excuse me. If you're watching the league, you know anything about the sports, any rookie has a hard time reading the progressions. I don't care if it's Peyton Manning. I don't care if it's Andrew Luck. I don't care who you are. They always have a hard time reading the progression. It's, it's called the learning curve. Anything you do, when you when you when you go levels, it's practice speed and it's game speed. The African American quarterback always seem to get criticized. And with Cam, the problem is he's so good, he's so sharp with what he does. I mean, the brother gets into the end zone. He has the latest dance. He's giving balls away. He's always smiling. He's always happy. Oh, and by the way, his father's heavily involved in his life. Something that you rarely see in sports. Something that you rarely see in sports. Somewhere out there, somebody's like, well, you got to talk about what he did when he was at Florida. You got to talk about Cam. You know, the Cam who got caught, uh, the cam who got caught stealing a laptop, being a young man, doing young things, doing young stupid things. Only African-American players have to stand up for this long afterwards. Cam got drafted in 2011. The laptop incident was in 2009. These are the things that they keep, they're bringing up now. Some of the same experts who said Cam couldn't make it, that, oh, I would never pick him with the top pick. People who talked about his attitude, his bravado. Skip Bayless, I don't know if you guys, you know, watched the first take, but Skip Bayless, the first take of fame, he said that Tim Tebow was a better quarterback than Cam Newton. said he was more accurate. Tim Tebow is no longer in the NFL. I just want to say that one more time. As a matter of fact, let's cheer on that. 
Yes, 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 yes. Tim Tebow. Yes. He's no longer in the NFL. Why am I happy that Tim Tebow is not in the NFL? It's because Tim Tebow was not better than a lot of the black quarterbacks that he got drafted in front of in the first round. I don't care if he's a virgin. I don't care that he's a Christian. The job is to play football. All those things does not matter. Matter of fact, the religious folk in this country had a lot for Tim Tebow getting a lot of fame in the NFL. So that stuff shouldn't matter as far as your play, how you play, when you play, if you play. But we had to put up with that a lot last uh, the last few years with Tim Tebow when he was playing in the league. Cam, on the other hand, all he does is show up win national championship, go undefeated, show up to the league, win rookie of the year. He's taking his team to the playoffs numerous times. Now he's in the Super Bowl. Now, what do you get for your troubles, Cam? Oh, well, we don't like how he danced. He danced too much. Why he got to do all that dancing? Why he got to be celebrating? Don't he know that he's affecting my whiteness by him being successful? He's only the quarterback because of affirmative action. Nah, I'm just kidding on that one. I don't think nobody said that. But this is the attitude. This is the mentality. This is the ideology that you're up against. And it does not, does not transcend sports. I want to say that again. Race does not transcend sports. That is a myth. That is a myth. Watch this Super Bowl. Man, Cam Newton is going to be portrayed like he's OJ. You're going to see some photos of Cam. You know, Cam normally smiling. And grinning, I've I seen lately he's been rocking the skull cap. I know it's kind of cold out there. He's a Georgia boy. It's kind of cold out there on the, um, on the, you know, on the East Coast. So he's rocking the skull caps. They're going to find him in a skull cap. They're going to make the picture dark. They're going to make it menacing. They're going to bring up the laptops. They are going to trash him any which way possible. Any way possible. And what's amazing is that so many of us drink the Kool-Aid when it comes to these ball players. And I, hey, look, I get it, man. A lot of times we have negative interactions with ball players. We have these things where you go somewhere. I mean, I, I have interactions with Stephon Marbury that I thought was kind of crazy. Or interactions where you hear about ball players like Randy Moss in a barbershop here wouldn't sign um wouldn't sign uh one of the kids uh jerseys or something like that at the barbershop here because he wasn't there for that. He just wanted to get his hair cut. You know, I've heard negative things about Kevin Garnett. I met Kevin Garnett a few times. And every time I met K G He's always been friendly. But you always hear people say they got negative stories. So it all depends on when you catch the athlete. But the one thing that you will find out 
is if you're black and you don't look a certain way, and this is what we're going to talk about here with sports, because this is the real reason why we're talking about sports today. If you don't look a certain way, if you don't behave a certain way, if you don't live a certain way, white people find you a problem. So like what they did to the Native Americans. They said, okay, we're going to pass this law. With these laws, what we're going to do is we're going to humanize them. Well, what are they going to do to humanize them? We're going to force them to go to our schools. We're going to force them to speak our language. And if they don't, we're going to throw them in jail. And if you look at these athletes that they say, man, look, we love Russell Wilson. Why do they love Russell Wilson so much? He's a Christian. Yeah, he's a Christian man. No tattoos. No, 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 no. No tattoos. You know, he's so well-spoken and so well-mannered. But the reality is, is that Russell's a little bit easier on white folks' eyes than, than his other counterparts. Then a Cam Newton, if not Cam, then a Teddy Bridgewater, if not Teddy. Uh, what's the brother name? Geno Smith, if not Geno Smith, definitely Michael Vick, right? They didn't like Michael Vick before the dog thing. Don't don't think that the hate for Michael Vick started. Don't think that it started because of the dog fighting. They had stories about Michael Vick being caught with, with, with weed, the Rob Mexico story where he was supposed to be going around giving girls herpes. Man, they've had all kinds of stories about Michael Vick long, long, long before he got caught with the dog fighting. Go back, do the research, do the knowledge. Go ahead, check it out. They've been had issues with Michael Vick. That's nothing new. Cam Newton was compared to Demarcus Russell. Not Demarcus Russell, I'm sorry. Is that his name, Demarcus Russell? No, no. No, what's that brother's name? Jamarcus Russell. Thank you. Jamarcus Russell. He's compared to Jamarcus Russell. That's the sign of saying that you're going to be lazy. Every black quarterback get, get, get compared with Jamarcus Russell, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Geno Smith. None of these guys are – near the weight mass of Jamarcus when he was out of shape. Cam is in well, well good shape. So is Teddy. So is Gino. These guys can play the game. Every white guy coming out of the coming out of college does not get compared to Ryan Leaf. They're not doing psyche valves on people like Johnny Football to make sure that he doesn't have a meltdown. Now, they don't do that. Johnny never got compared to Ryan Leaf. All the experts, they like Johnny. They didn't like Cam, though. They don't like Cam. And, and for that fact, this is what you constantly have in America. You have a black male who rises up. He's successful. And his success is followed by hard work and determination. You could easily be sidetracked if you Cam Newton, if you don't have Cecil Newton there. 
his father spent a lot of time to make sure his son was able to hop over a lot of the obstacles that the average black male go through. They didn't like his father being a part of that. They could never prove that the man took any money from anybody. But the NCAA went out of their way to make sure that he wasn't involved in the Heisman ceremony. They went out of his way. You know, they, they, they didn't want to show Cecil Newton at the championship game. Father and the son. His father's his best friend. His hero. And they try to split that. Draft night. They talk to the new owner. The, not, I shouldn't say the new owner. The owner of the Carolina Panthers. Old foggy white guy. Old money white guy. I never met the man. Haven't done the research on the man. But something just didn't stick right with him telling his brother, well, we want you to come here, but they don't want him to have no tattoos. They want him to have no tattoos. They didn't want no cornrows. See, they, they, he didn't want none of that nigga stuff. That's what that boils down to. See, look, Cam, you can come here, just leave the nigga stuff at home. We don't want none of the nigga stuff. So much for race, transcending sports. Now he's going up against the great white hype. And don't get me wrong, I like Peyton Manning. I like Peyton Manning. Always been a Peyton Manning fan. But Peyton Manning is no longer the Peyton Manning of old. This is a different Peyton Manning here. This is the banged-up Peyton Manning. This is the Peyton Manning who, uh, for all intents and purposes, man, he, brother, he's pretty much playing on his last leg or ankle, if you will. He ain't even a leg. He's on an ankle right now. He's told folks that this might be his last rodeo. He doesn't know if he's going to make it back. So the matchup is Cam, the young gun, the brother, versus Peyton Manning, the clean, wholesome white guy. Well, not so clean. Not clean to the point where, you know, it's this little story about him floating around that nobody will talk about. But Jameis Winston will have to hear this for forever. Jameis Winston is the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who had an accuser who just got settled a uh, lawsuit where she got paid out by Florida State $950,000 for an accusation of rape. So you'll hear that from about Jameis from here until the time he retires. When Ben Roethlisberger plays, you'll never hear about all the times he's been accused of sexual assault. You'll never hear about the time that Peyton Manning had to pay six figures to make a sexual assault case go away. This is how you know sports don't transcend race. This is how you know. Because if it was so transcending, we would be able to just say, hey, Peyton Manning 
playing against Cam Newton. You would need all these white boys on TV trying to get you to root against Cam for everything outside of football. Point out all of his errors while making Manning seem almost like he's Rocky Balboa. Man, he's fighting against the odds. No, he's fighting against Father Time. Everybody has to have that fight. Well, his ball is wobbly. Man, that ball been wobbly when you were, you were touting him before. He never threw a, a tight spiral. He never threw the, the the best spiral. He never had the strongest arm. He's just, hey, let, let's face it. He's a smart quarterback. But the flip side of it is Cam Newton's pretty damn smart too. Let's point out that Cam doesn't have the offensive weapons and the skill positions that Manning has. Have a Demarius Thomas. You know he doesn't have that. He doesn't have uh, what's the other guy? Demarius Thomas, and then it's my man, the little speed demon. Um, what is that guy's name? Hmm. I'm gonna get back to it. But Peyton Manning has some 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 excellent. Wide receivers. Vernon Davis is another tight end that he has on the roster. Um, you know, he got he he has some 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 great players that he's throwing the ball to. If Cam Newton had those exact same players, Cam Newton probably put up five thousand yards easily. But you'll never hear that. You'll just hear about Cam's former off the field issues. Never mind the fact that this man is a father now. I just saw a article uh, a couple of weeks ago where somebody was, like, going in saying, well, you know, he just married a stripper. What the hell is wrong with us and he can't marry a stripper? This is that. This is the stuff that we do as a people. So I, I just want to say, if you have young boys that's playing football, all ages, basketball, all ages, when they come talking to you, telling you, because they, they're going to show you the uh, movie, uh, what's the brother's name? Um, what's the brother's name? The Jesse Owens story. I want you guys to remember this. Athletics is a great way to release energy. It's a great way to show young men certain lessons that they will not get in other circumstances. Great team-building exercise to show you how to work well with others, show you how to bond, show you how to come to age. It allows you to get, like, you know, a lot, a lot of times it allows you to be able to operate and think on the fly, think faster. But the one thing it does not, it does not transcend race. No such thing. No such thing. And anybody telling you that it does transcend race is a goddamn lie. And we'll be back. One moment, y'all. I find it really interesting that um, uh, the FBI decided to focus uh, quite specifically on black women. Uh, 
uh, because somehow they feared, it seems to me, uh, that uh, the, the, the movement would continue to grow and develop, uh, particularly with the leadership uh, and the involvement of, of, of black women. Uh, I was uh, uh, rendered a, a target, uh, uh, an ideological target, in the same way that Asata Shakur was, was, was called the mother hen of the Black Liberation Army. Uh, uh, the, the way in which she was represented became an invitation for um, racists uh, and everyone who assented to the um, repressive uh, behavior of the U.S. government to, uh, to, 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 to focus very specifically on her, to fo focus their hate, to focus vendettas on her. And I um, really find it um, surprising that when the grandchildren of those who were active in the late 60s and early um, 70s uh, are becoming involved in similar movements today, there is this effort uh, to, again, terrorize uh, uh, young people by representing such an important figure as Asata Shakur as, as a terrorist. And let me say that uh, I... I, I, I was quite surprised that in the aftermath of the Boston um, Marathon bombing, where before the um, Cernev brothers uh, were uh, discovered uh, to be the um, alleged perpetrators, uh, there was an attempt to represent the person who uh, planted the bombs as either a black man or a dark-skinned man with, with, with a hoodie, I believe. Uh, this racialization of, 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 um, of what is represented as, as terrorism uh, is uh, an attempt to bring the old-style racism into conversation with uh, uh, modes of repression in the 21st century. Stop the top foolery. You know, I, I'm I'm fed up here with you new Negroes. And when I say Negro, I mean with the K N E E G R O W. Fed up. I can't take it. I mean, y'all, some of the most passive aggressive people on the planet. Some of you are trying not to be labeled. Some of you don't know if you're African. Some of you just don't have a fucking clue. But yet and still, you seem to be in the mix of everything holding everything back. Can we please, 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 pretty please, with a cherry on top, stop the tomfoolery. I was on Facebook yesterday. I'm often on Facebook, just like the rest of you. And I saw a brother who had a poem. And on top of his poem, he said, uh, this is what the hotep niggas say. Uh, I didn't make that phrase up. That's what he said. So I kindly asked the brother, I said, man, yo, what is a hotep nigga? And please explain before I go nuclear. Because I wanted to know. I am proud of my heritage, whether it's, Transatlantic, 
or before transatlantic. I am proud of my African heritage. I take pride in the studies of Kemet. Any of the Nile Valley studies, Northern Africa, Southern Africa, Western Africa, Eastern Africa. Man, look, that's all our history. That's a collective rich history that's not talked about, that's not really celebrated. So when I see somebody say, Hotep, niggas, I got to check and see what the, what were they talking about. Because I'm, I'm confused. Like, yo, what what happened to where the disrespect can be so easy where we can just disrespect the ancestors and and this cat that said it, please stop the tomfooling, tomfoolery. If you bring up, if if you question anything about homosexuality, if you say, man, they got a gay agenda, or they got an agenda, fool, who needs to stop the tomfoolery, by the way, will argue you up and down. Get very disrespectful. So my question to him is, and then this is what I asked him. So you can disrespect the ancestors, but you all here protecting gays all the time? Now look, man, before you dive into this and, and you get sanctimonial, Thomas Barry don't care about your sexuality. I don't. I don't care. I'm not wired to care about your sexuality. Let me tell you why. Because in the end, this is a scientific fact. Most folks float with like-minded people. So if you gay, right, we might not always see eye to eye. We might not even hang out with each other. But what you eat don't make me shit. What you do in your bedroom is none of my business. Now, am I going to support gay rights? No, I am not. I'm too busy trying to get my rights as a black person. And I don't need the Dr. King quotes. I don't need that tomfoolery either. Because most of the time you're misquoting Dr. King. What I'm trying to say is this. We have too many people in too many places who are getting in the way of progress. We did an experiment today in my classroom, myself and the lovely Miss Millie. We decided that we were going to allow our students, that are in kindergarten, by the way, we're teaching these kindergartners how to do word problems using math. These word problems, they're doing adding, they're doing subtracting, but we're also using manipulatives so that they can learn how to use things to figure out the answers, we got them in groups. So I noticed in the groups, we got boys in the group, we got girls in the group. This is a mixture in the class. While the groups are working, a lot of time what happens are the young boys are pretty smart with math. They're pretty quick, quick counters. They process it fast. A lot of the young girls, what they would do is they would actually hold up the young boys from figuring out the problems. And how they would do it is the boys would be counting and trying to count because it's a race. Three tables. Hey, we're looking for the top person. Top person wins. Hey, that's one. So we're counting points. 
the boys get the concept because hey, we talked about sports previous. Hey, boys get the concept of sports and team. So the young men are doing everything they can do so they can be first. They're going fast. They're, they're looking at the problems prehand. They kind of say, okay, this is how we got to count it. Yeah. They're doing the whole nine. The young ladies, some of them who can't even, I shouldn't say can't. Let me let me rephrase that. They can add. They are not as fast as the young men are, and a lot of them are not as sure as the young men are. So what they were doing was they were taking the manipulatives that the kids were using, the young men and themselves were using in a group, and they were stopping the young men in their group. I'm going to say this one more time. They were stopping the young men in their group from solving the problems. People in the group started to be a larger obstacle, a larger obstacle than the other teams. So this is at table three we see it. This is at table two. Table two is crazy. One young lady has a hard time counting up past a certain number. So she has another boy that's on a team. He can count to 100. Very smart young man. The young man is like, look, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to add the number. You're going to subtract the smaller number. Bam, we'll figure out the total from there. Miss Bentley tried to help her out. The young man told her, hey, you really don't know how to do this. Let me do this so we can win. I know what I'm doing. I did this by myself yesterday. I did a good job by myself. You didn't win yesterday. Hey, work with me. I know what I'm doing. Stick with me. Stick with me. Stick with me. Mm-mm. That ain't what happened. What she decided to do with the young man, she decided to take things and stop him from counting. Even though she was told, Hey, this is how y'all should do it. This is a better way. This is how you guys are going to win. Her response was, mm-mm, I want to count first. They said, well, you, you, you count it first. You're struggling. No, 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 I don't care. I want to count first. So it's another table, table one. The young men at table one, they're working together. They got one young lady, she's at the table. She's kind of smooth in how she does it. She knows these brothers are strong-minded. She knows that they're great counters. But what she does is because she knows they count too quick sometimes, she makes sure that the count is right. That's how she plays a part. And it's so smooth how she does it because she does it with finesse and strength. And you'll be like, man, you can't believe. When I was breaking it down to, to my coach, she's like, look, man, check, check, check Cortez out. Watch what, she, watch what she's doing. So they'll start counting, and the brother would miss one. And she said, oh, no, no, that's not, that's not, that's not 13. That's that's 12. Go back, go back. And she'll correct them. And that was the table that was constantly winning, constantly winning. But they could never win. They could never win if she wasn't helping out. He would be like, he'll somebody will do subtraction. Oh, that's seven. No, 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 no. You got to X one in and take that out. It's six. That's what, That was her doing that. So, Make a long story short, I decided while watching this thing unravel that I was going to put the boys at a table and I was going to put the girls at a table and I was going to let them try. And let me explain to you what I saw, what transpired. The young men were sitting at the table. The young men were by themselves isolated, figuring out the problem. They were knocking this math down. 
Now, these young ladies, man, we got some smart ones. They can do math. I'm telling you, I've seen them do math. I've seen them do these problems individually. But what they couldn't figure out is how to work together in a group. They could not. They sabotaged each other. At one point, had two cousins working together. The problem was 13 minus 11. One cousin counts out 13. I'm watching the process. I'm thinking, well, okay, she got 13 fast. She got 13 faster than the boys got the 13 on their side. I'm thinking a cousin who's pretty smart, too, is just going to go to that pile of manipulatives, go out, take out the 11, get two. Man, they're going to beat the boys. Show me that I was wrong in my experiment. No, the cousin bypassed the pile of 13, and she went back into the other pile of manipulatives, and she counted out her own 13. And they could never get to the subtraction part. They never got to the subtraction part because they kept on blocking each other to figure it out. I kid you not. I wish I, I wish, you know what, I need to talk to uh, the admin of the school and see if we can actually film this. I, I would love to film this so people can see this. You need to see this in, in action so you can really get the gist of what I'm saying here. So, back to it anyway. So the young men, they're going at it, you know, they're like, all right, well, you know, hey, you know, we're we, we going to solve this thing. And they're they kicking butt. I mean, they're kicking butt. We do it seven times. They win seven times in a row. So I stopped it. I told the young ladies what I was doing. I said, look, I only put you guys together because I watched you. Each time you work together with the young men on your team, these young men are pretty smart with math. Pretty shocked. Y'all should be listening to what these brothers are telling y'all. They got it down packed. I'm asking the math problems. Without the manipulatives, the young men are answering the problems. So I, I turned to one young lady. I said, now look, he was telling you that the sign said add, and you kept saying subtract. He was right. He was right. He he, he tried to tell you. He tried to tell you. You, you, you know, your young man wasn't trying to. He, he wasn't trying to be disrespectful. He wasn't trying to do any of those things. He was just trying to win. But she kept telling him, no, you don't know what you're talking about. This is, this is, this is, uh, this ain't what you're saying it is. Just be quiet. Sit down. Don't say nothing. This is what, this is how they were talking to him. I, I, I would love to tell you I was making this up, but I am not making this up. Told him, sit down. Don't say nothing. He didn't know what he was talking about. He need to let them do it. That's fact. That's fact. She told me, hey, you don't know what you're doing. You need to sit down and be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. Let us do this. And then when I asked her these same problems that the young man was figuring out by himself pretty quick, she didn't have an answer. When I asked her, What's that symbol up on the board? Is that a plus or a minus? The young lady didn't have an answer. And I turned to my co-teacher and I said, and this is the tomfoolery that, that adults pull every day. This is why you have young, you, you, you have couples in homes that don't work. One person knows, really knows, and the other person don't know. And the person that do know is being told to be quiet or they're being sabotaged to make it look like they don't know. I am going to try to get that taped so you guys can see it. 
I'm going to try to put that on. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to put that on um, Rant Radio page, Facebook page, because that's something that needs to be explored. That's something that needs to be talked about. We need to be working with our youth. It, this is the reason why I did it, because it's important that we teach our sons and our daughters how to work well to, with, each, with each other. That's a part of who we are as African Americans. But if we can't have the adults who are the most full of the tomfoolery to sit their asses down when they don't know better, if we can't get Stacy Dash to shut the hell up, when we can't get Whoopi Goldberg to shut the hell up, everybody black ain't an expert on race. Some black people go their entire life without picking up a book that is substantial about anything about black. And I don't care about you learning about something at a college. Listen, if you really want to study your people, it don't start on a college campus. It don't. No, no, let me me change that. It can start on the college campus, but what are you picking up outside of that? What are you studying outside of that? If you got a passion for it, it shouldn't just be for A, right? I, I worked at a school last year. Supposed to have been highly pro-black. Man, they didn't have the Black History Month program until May. Everybody around the Twin Cities think this, like there's some black phenom going on here. You want to see the hallways that I was working in during Black History Month? Not a peep. Nothing. Nothing. Let me bring Brother O in. What's up, bro? How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good, man. All right, yeah, man, you missed the you missed the bit on Cam, man. But man, I wish you could have been there today to see this experiment. When I tell you it was priceless, brother, it was priceless. No, I, priceless. I hear you. Um, uh, got a chance to talk about it um, prior to the show, and I I really wish I could have seen it, and um. I understand what what it says, you know, and, and the correlation you made between that and and what's going on with our people. Um, I, I'd like to, I, I guess, add this to it is that there needs to be a a self introspection with our people. I, I like what you just the statement you just made before that uh, the search for knowledge and the knowledge itself can start anywhere. If you start on the college campus. They can start at home. If you really want to know what's going on with, with your brothers and sisters, ask to go see about your brothers and your sisters. Uh, there's this opening to black on both sides. Um, most deaf, Yashin Bay, whatever he's calling himself these days, uh, on, on his uh, first album. And on that album, he says, you know, people talk about hip-hop as if it's some mountain, some, some giant in the mountain, when, when actually hip-hop is the people. And whatever the people are doing, hip hop is doing. Um, I, I feel like um, that correlation is the same thing with us as the people. So you really want to know what's going on in the average uh, mind, or not not the average mind, but the the, the average everyday individual, um, regardless of race, go see that 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 person, that individual, see how they live, talk to them, see see what motivates them, what 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 drives them, what makes them do the things that they do, and and with, with ourselves, it should be a, a level of understanding with our own people that, that should be better than this about anything else. And what I'm finding is is that we don't know ourselves. Other people are watching us and studying us. And they're, they're, they're looking for our weaknesses. They're looking for our flaws. 
and they're taking advantage of what they see. Um, I'm to the point now as a black man who grew up in this country and can understand this country for what it truly is, uh, that understands the ugliness of, of, of white supremacy uh, at its core. I can right. understand that they have been saying this forever and a day, but we have taken for granted the lessons that we learned from them. And we've allowed them to come in and infiltrate and, 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 mm. and, and get underneath our skin and then uh, control the narrative that is our lives. And we still are fighting against each other. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I didn't talk about the cam situation. Um, I know there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I had a conversation with a female friend of mine last night, and I'm, I'm going to tie it all in together, but she's intelligent, articulate, a sister, um, um, proud, black, and female. And we discussed the the Will Smith issue as far as the award show. And I was kind of taken aback that her first thing to do was to attack the sister that used to play Aunt Viv. Right. And she talked about it so bad that I had to go back and look up this woman and, and read more about her. And I hate that I can't remember her name right now because I, I read her bio. But what I, what, I, what I didn't know is that she is from Chicago. And I didn't know that she actually went to the Juilliard School of the Arts, uh, that she was on the original on Broadway cats. She goes back that far. She's paid her dues. And she was thinking of the collective when she was on that show. And Will at the time was thinking about himself. And that's where they crossed and where where they banged heads and where the issues uh, took place. But my my homegirl took on saying, well, she's bitter, she's bitter, she's bitter. It's been 20 years. Get over it. And I said, how many roles do you think they're written in Hollywood for a black woman of her age? Mm. How many more dudes does she have to pay? Mm. She's already paid. Mm. I was like, and I kept asking her, and I kept asking Christian definitely because I couldn't believe that all this vitriol was coming from one black woman placed on another black woman. Mm. Now, I'm not against free conversation, free thought, progress within our people. I'm not against that. I'm for that. But there's this respect level that we need to have with each other that we don't have. Um, many black people, for, for whatever reason, don't want it to be a us versus them scenario. Uh, on the Cam Newton issue, I watched black uh, athlete after black athlete after uh, black sports reporter stated the issue that society has with CAM is not a racial issue, but a cultural issue. And and I, I would challenge anybody to tell me today, really, what is black culture? It's been compromised at every angle possible at this point. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's constantly copied. And then the props are not given to the originators that, 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 that brought it into being. When mm. CAM stands up and, and declaratively says, I'm a black quarterback, uh, I heard Stephen A. this morning. I heard um, Skip Baylor say, you know, all these other quarterbacks that came before that were black were saying, hey, look, I don't want to be considered a black quarterback. I just want to be judged as a quarterback. 
And that was the mistake right there. They got him right there when they said that. Before you played a down of NFL football, before you ever picked up a football and thought about what you could be, you were black. There's nothing wrong with it. In my opinion, it's a damn blessing. I like Donald McNabb to me one of his biggest mistakes ever was that he kowtowed to a society or what the establishment said he should be as a man off the field and a quarterback on the field. His career was never the same after that. If they can be free to be who they are, then why can't we be free to be who we are? Right. There's many definitions of what it is to be black in the diaspora, and we're we still waiting for other people to go, this is how we see How about we set our own definition? And, and if we go hold people accountable, let's do it in-house with us. And that's something to me that is lost on this generation, and I feel we'll never get over it because we can't anything in-house. That, well, I think saying. that's part. It might even be a Bible first. Go ahead. I think that's part of the tomfoolery, though. I think when you when you really think about us as a people, and that's why I say we we, we got to stop the tomfoolery, because the tomfoolery is what's really holding us up as a collective. The tomfoolery is is the foolishness of we always have these collective group of people who are always up to something that means none of us any good. They always seem to be around when it's time for us to make a decision on something important. They never really think with their head. They're always thinking about their heart. They're thinking about how they can fit into society. They're always trying to do things that they're not necessarily qualified for. And they never, you know, like when I was talking about the kids today, it, it was pretty much about the students who were, who, who, were, who were getting away. They could never see the big picture. Now, I, I, I just want to say this. I'm not saying to say that that's a young lady's place to assist mm-hmm. young men. That's not what I'm saying. That wasn't my goal. Mm-hmm. My goal was to get everybody in position to work together. And whoever could do the job the best, do the job the best. Everybody has a role to play. Mm-hmm. But what I kept seeing over and over again was that the people that didn't know was the main ones taking charge. And the people that mm-hmm. did know was unable to get things accomplished. Mm-hmm. And we have that so much because you get to a point where when you have a society of people who've never had a chance to say anything, everybody always want to have something to say, even when really what they got to say don't mean much. Yep. And that's what we have. That's the tomfoolery problem. That's what we have when it comes to uh, a Ryan Clark talking about, well, there's black culture and there's Cam Newton. What the hell is that? What the hell is that? That That's saying, well, you know, it's us black people, then it's, then it's Cam Newton. And, and and we had this conversation before, me and you, a while ago. We talked about Chris Rock. That's mm-hmm. another, it's niggas and it's black people comment. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Cam is a nigga. See, he's on that nigga culture. See, you, 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 you don't see Russell Wilson dancing, right? He's not dancing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait a minute, hold on a second. If you're going to compare Cam, compare Cam to some of the guys who actually grew up in the elements that Cam grew up in. Compare him to Teddy Bridgewater. Compare him to Geno Smith. Compare him to uh, my man uh, Jameis Winston. They got comparable upbringings. No knock to Russell Wilson. No knock to Russell. 
I I like mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. But Russell, man, come on, man. Russell was raised by a white woman. Let's keep it real. Not all. This is the kind and, of stuff that people don't don't never want to talk about. He was raised by a white woman. I don't know culturally if he was necessarily around black culture as much as Cam was, right? Yeah. I've never seen anybody talk about Russell Wilson's daddy. Russell talks about his mama. He do. They thought Colin Kaepernick was the guy, but he went and got Thug Life tattooed up, right? And remember, yep. remember this. Remember this. Remember when the 49ers beat, when they beat Carolina? Mm-hmm. Remember Colin Kaepernick dissed Cam Newton? Mocked Cam Newton? And Cam never responded with anything derogatory? Mm-hmm. Remember when Russell Wilson beat Carolina and he mocked Cam Newton? See, folks, folks don't want to talk about that. They talk about this class thing and they talk about this culture thing. But do you remember that? Do you remember Russell Wilson I mocking do. Cam Newton? I do remember him doing the, uh, I think it was a Superman tearaway thing. Yeah. And he also had some sharp words or some slick words to say about uh, about Cam in the press. So I, I just want people to understand when they tell you about who got class and who don't. And then let me say this on Cam's behalf. Through all of that, Brother Devil went back at them guys and say anything out of the way. He mm-hmm. never said anything out of the way to neither one of them. So for all the dancing, all the balls that he gives away to, to kids for charity, for all the things that they say about Cam that they don't like, when you have these guys who are supposed to have class, who you know, because what they what they really pretty much trying to tell you is this is a better better class of black person than that than that Cam Newton. You know, these guys don't dance as much. These are some good clean wholesome Negroes here. The good clean wholesome ones who were taking shots at Cam, who was dissing Cam all the time. When they dissed him, Cam never responded. He never said anything negative about those brothers. He just kept it moving. And to me, that says a lot about his character. That says a lot about his person. And if you can't bring that up when you when you diss that brother and you're giving them guys their kudos, then mm-hmm. to me, you missed the whole boat. Because in my opinion, uh, O, and I'll let you hop back in. Ain't that what class personifies? You you can you you can dog me, brother. You can say whatever you want to say to the media, but you still my brother. And you know what? I ain't even got to respond to that. Don't you think that's what class personifies, brother? I I definitely do, but I think that <clears throat> we 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 have allowed the the lines of uh, politics and sports and entertainment and everything to this coalesce into one monster, and, and it shouldn't be. Well, whenever it, it comes to sports and competition, I've always had uh, there's there's two different trains of thought uh, when you compare uh, what white people think in this country and black people think in this country, and, and there's nothing wrong with there being differences. Um, I, I knew athletes that when I played high school ball that danced or whatever and got penalties or not got penalties, but the the, the onus on us, especially when I was playing in the hood, was you know how to stop that? Keep my hands on. It, it, it's right. that simple. I I I don't ever recall hear, hearing even the term taunting until I started playing with white kids on the field. Mm. In my neighborhood in Atlanta, it was just offense defense. 
You don't want to right. see him dance. How about you stop him? It's that simple. Um, when I look at Cam and I, I look at the other young quarterbacks that are coming to the league uh, that are black, yeah, the, the Russell Wilsons, the Colin Kaepernick's, I think Colin Kaepernick was adopted and raised by a white mom and a white dad. Um, Russell Wilson gives his dad, who died early, his props for his athletic skills and ability. Uh, but society has made that differentiation between the three. And I also don't like uh, another thing that Ryan Clark said today was he made this this joke, this kind of cryptic, that he's seen Russell Wilson dance, and he can't. He doesn't have rhythm. Um, yeah. The, the, the point of it to me and all of it was, look, man, this dude is just saying, look, I am who I am, accept me on that merit. I'm not doing anything. I'm not bringing anything to the table that's embarrassing to myself, my family, my fans, or the league. If Tom Brady wants to, to be laced up and serious and all the time, that's him. But I'm 26, 25 years old in, in the prime of my life at the, at, the, at the height of my physical peak. I'll tell you something else that I don't like. And, and, and it's been a double standard at the quarterback position forever in a day. Cam, workout numbers. And Andrew mm-hmm. Lux, workout numbers. A damn near identical. A lot of folks don't know that. I think uh, Luck might be five to ten pounds lighter and one, maybe one to two inches shorter, but same vertical, same 40, the whole nine. When Luck decides to take off and run, it's a great decision. When Cam takes off and runs, athletic ability. They keep saying mm. that they've never seen a quarterback as big and as mobile as Cam. Well, damn, was Dante Culpepper five foot ten? Man, no, he wasn't. He wasn't was a big boy, big wasn't he? They always now, wanted he brought, to make it he, about have, the he, he was up there. And he had some records yeah. in throwing the ball too, did he? Throwing and rushing, right? Yes, he, yeah, but but we we we've never seen a quarterback like Cam. He what what he's done, and I I feel like I've heard classic people say that was jealousy. I have seen few quarterbacks, black or white, learn the intricacies of the position as well as Cam has in such an early time frame. Because he's not just beating people, taking on running now. It's it's one thing to have a quarterback drop back to pass and manipulate the safety with his eyes to create a passing lane. How good are you when you can do that and know, you know what, I'm not even going to throw that direction. But I'm going to go ahead and have you go over there by manipulation of my eyes and my fundamentals to open up a running lane. It's third and one. I'm not, I don't want to throw a crossing route with But all we need is one, and I want the clock to run. He's a very intelligent young guy, but you rarely ever, from anybody in the media, talk about the man's intelligence. Um, and I feel like those are the second-handed, underhanded digs that he's had to deal with in his career. And I look at it as, as our place as black men and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish in this country. There's right. always this need to prove. And apparently he's tired of it. I know I am. In, in mm-hmm. a world that is based on capitalism, capitalism and competition, there, there's always a proving ground. But there's always this extra step that we're forced to take. And I'm glad for him to be who he is so the next generation of black quarterbacks that come up, hey, if I want to if I want to scramble, I can scramble. If I want to sit back and throw, I can throw. Let it be based on my on my athletic decision, not so much on what society says I should do. I read an article a while ago. It was talking about just the outrageous, unrealistic expectations that 
society, the media, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about as it pertains to sports, that they put on a sort of pads of black quarterbacks. Third and 16, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning go through all their reads. Nobody's opening to throw the ball away. Everybody from the the, 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 the guy selling concessions to, to Kid Bremen is going to say, hey, good decision. Went through all their primary reads. Nobody was opening through the ball away. But with that black quarterback, the expectation is, well, once you go through all those reads, then you should be able to get up, get up 17 yards on that third down, even though the right. defense knows that you're coming. It's a double standard. And my thing is, just call it what it is. Be honest. Be truthful with it. And then for me, I, I'm going to say it till, till I no longer exist on planet Earth. As a people, there needs to be right. unity. I find it highly offensive that in almost every walk of life, as it pertains to black people and what we should do to, to, to get to, to further ourselves, I'm hearing uh, even black people spit this out now about, hey, you know it's not just about us, man. It's everybody. Let's get together and sing Kumbaya. Meanwhile, while we're subjugating ourselves yet again, everybody else is tooling up around us. You don't hear that rhetoric. You don't hear that speak from any other racial group. If we say racial group, oh, it's an issue. But if white folks say it or Hmong people say it or Mexican people say it or Puerto Rican people say it, then it's an issue. And that's where I wish and I pray that there's a way to do it, to mobilize us as a people and work within our own framework. I see social media being a great thing to get people involved, but every idea that we have does not need to go across Facebook. Every thought process we have doesn't need to be on social media or Instagram. We need to do what we can do to control our own narratives. And my thing is, is there's ways to do it. A lot of us know how. We just are not doing it. You know what? And that, that, that's a that's a great point. That's a great point. That's something that that that's something to think about when you think about how we are always, just in my opinion, how we're always coming with that narrative when we're always trying to, uh, just 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 my humble opinion, we're always trying to figure out ways for us as a people. To 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 fit in, uh, or try. You know what? I, I shouldn't even say fit in. Let me let me say this: is the best way to, to put it together. What we try to do as a people, it's almost like prostitutes arguing for other prostitutes to pimps and stressing unity with a pimp. The pimp don't want unity. The pimp wants to be in charge, mm-hmm. and you can't try to stress and talk that, you know, and, and, and talk that talk about. Well, I'm just looking out for this, pro, this this other prostitute. Well, man, at the end of the day, y'all both in a hell of a situation that's not good. You might want to fix your situation before you try to speak up for that other person, especially when that other person. Or those other persons aren't speaking up on your behalf in the same way. The only time they use you or they say anything about your struggle is when they're trying to use it to catapult themselves. Mm-hmm. And that that's the thing that we, um, you know, that's the thing that we struggle on as a people. That's the thing when we sit up and we hear these people say, you know, Cam Newton is black 
well, man, y'all seen a plethora of black quarterbacks. Every time somebody black is on the on the cusp of doing something that white folks feel like hell is big, and then they can't say he cheated, right? There was no controversy mm-hmm. in the game that he won. So there ain't no con. They blew them out, right? They can't right. talk about him and plethora of women. Them stories haven't came out. He just had the baby by the young lady. They try to make that into a controversial story. The boy is so clean. He 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 he's really so clean. If he was white, and he was able to do most of the things that he's done, no, do all the things that he's done, he would have so many commercials right now on television. It'd be ridiculous. You've seen the commercials mm-hmm. that Aaron Rodgers have, right? Yeah. We've seen Eli Manning have commercials. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton. As young, as brash, as successful as Cam is, we should not only see sneaker commercials, headphone commercials. Where's the food commercials at? Where's his direct TV commercial? You can't tell me that he doesn't have a face for it. He's got the face of a winner. He's winning. There's some ugly dudes on TV. There's some ugly (laughs) chicks on TV. Success seems to fix all of that. So yeah. when, when when we sit back and we really just watch, and I, I, want, I want to touch on that point that you were saying about collective, the collective thing. It's just, it's just, brother, when you have to sit back and think about Ryan Clark's comments, and then you have to go back to when Rush Limbaugh was on ESPN Countdown Show. And he went at Donovan McNabb and the mm-hmm. black faces that was on the show who didn't speak out on Donovan's own behalf. In my opinion, sometimes it's best, Ryan Clark, to say, man, I'm not qualified to really have this discussion. I haven't studied this. I don't know the depths. Being black don't make you an expert. And mm-hmm. that's that, that that's one thing that I, I I wish, you know, for this segment of stopping the tomfoolery that we can have. Can we please stop having, you know, people saying, well, we're going to put this token black person on TV. Stop, uh, stop being that token black person. Stop allowing people to put you out there, you know, put you out there and, and have you talking about something that you have no idea on? Because clearly, brother doesn't know what, what, what he what, what he should have been talking about. Why they're uncomfortable with brother Cam is because America is not comfortable with black success. That's what that boils down to. We've seen it where President Obama has been told that he's a Muslim. He's been told that he wasn't born in this country, all because he won the presidency. When he was Senator Obama, none of this stuff mm-hmm. ever came up. No one ever seemed to care, even though he was in the U.S. Senate. No one ever called him a Muslim until that point. Mm-hmm. They have a problem with black people in success, 
you can go down to annals and any time one of us done something successful that they felt like was out of turn. You know, because think about it. The out of turn is in order for Obama to be president, he had to beat who? The white candidate. Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. John McCain. You can be Michael Jordan and be successful as long as you're beating Carl Malone and Charles Barkley and Sean Kemp and Gary Payton and Clyde Drexler and Terry Porter. But, man, if he had to go against one of the majority white Celtic squads, they they wasn't happy when Jordan was beating Larry Bird, when Bird was the, the leader. Now, I'm not saying that John Stockton wasn't the leader with Utah, but John, uh, everybody know Carl uh, Malone was the man on that squad. He was the, he was the he was the point. He was the main guy because he was the guy scoring all the points. He was mm-hmm. looked at as as the man on that squad. So I, I just want to point that out. You know, it, it, the problem with, with with Cam is not culture; it's success. You know, they, they don't have a problem with with the culture when we're dancing for their commercials when we're rapping for their commercials if we're dapping for their commercials nobody has a problem with that they dapping in the ESPN studios they got mm-hmm. a slang coach that goes in the ESPN and teach them how to talk like black people so nobody has a problem no with the culture when they seem to do it it's just all about when you do it out of turn black man, black woman what was the sister man, what was that sister's name you could tell me. Remember, it was a sister in track and field that was so cold that was killing everybody that they tried to make her take a gender test. Do you remember um, that? She kind of went away. Are you talking about the young South African sister? Yes. Do you remember yeah, I know that? Her. Yep. Now, remember just not too long ago, uh, comparing. Uh, saying that Serena was manly? Yep. That was two months ago, right? Yep. Right? Cause she, was it a swimsuit yep. issue yep. or something about her beauty? No, the, 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 she was up for not just sports woman of the year, but sports, like, after the year period. And a lot of, there, were, there were writers that were saying that there was a racehorse out there who had a better year than she had as a tennis wow. player. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you know, Lord forbid that, you know, because Ronda Rousey got knocked out, and that's who they really yep. wanted. You know, they they yep. wanted Rousey. They didn't want the black woman on there. See, this, this this ain't just a male issue. This is a black male female situation. Then, anytime any of us, any of us, are successful, and we beating one of them. Then you get this whole thing of they got a problem with the culture. They got the problem with how you look. Well, they got the problem with the one thing you did way back when you was four years old. Remember that time in sixth grade where you stole the pack of dilators? They got to bring that up. But it's only when you're on, on the cusp or you have defeated one of them. And that's oh, what yeah. this is about. Ryan Clark, see, Ryan Clark, when he was trying to be politically correct, he should have just went on here and told the truth. Man, if it was Cam Newton up against Geno Smith, I guarantee you nobody would be talking about Cam's past. Nobody. I, I I saw something somewhere. I forgot the sister's name that put it out there, but she said this time last year the media was infatuated with a brother 
that wouldn't speak at all the whole Super Bowl mm. week was because this mm. one brother wouldn't talk. This year, Marshawn Lynch. It's another brother. Yep, this year the, the brother won't shut up. Mm. So it's not about us being silent or or talking. It's about mm. us doing it out of turn or doing it when we want to do it versus when they say we should do it. And yeah. it made me think. This year they're getting all over Karen for dabbing and he's smiling too much and too much confidence and too much bravado. And last year the story was Marshawn Lynch won't talk. Or he won't talk when we want him to talk. And all you heard was it's, obli- it's obligation. If we, if it's part of your job to speak when we tell you to speak. Um, and and when, you, when, you, when you think of it on that level, on a level that small, that, that, hey, you know, society is concerned about not just my opinion, but when I express it and how I choose to express it. And, and, and it's publicly shown to you like that. Because I'm mm. a true believer in what they do to the, the greatest of us, they will do to the least of us. It, it's that Both big down. of a news deal that you're running in a, in a news cycle and prime time for a whole week, two weeks ahead of the ball. This dude had an MVP season, but this is what you mm. reduced it to. It's, mm. it's ridiculous. But what does that say about the the, the non Cam Newtons across the country? What does that, what does that say about the, the the teachers? What does that say about every other professional level? What about that say says about the least impoverished of us all? Those of us who are not in the work market are trying to get in the work market. Those of us that are locked up. Mm. We want to be treated in this country as individuals. I'm talking about black people now, and we are seen whether we want to be a, as a collective or not. And they still want to lump us all together. So my thing is, hey, don't fight that. <laughs> you want to lump us in the group? Let's raise the group. Let's raise the whole group up there. Mm, I like that. Uh, you know what? I like that. And, and you know, that's why, you know, I, I'm always mindful when I go places and I do things that I not only represent myself, I represent a collective of us. I'm talking about African Americans. Mm-hmm. And I know that some people have this, this bar that they, they have for us. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's not going to make me act any different than how I normally act. But mm-hmm. it's also important that I it makes me demand a certain respect, too, because I know the stigma that other groups have for us. Like, I'll give you a prime example. Me and my wife, two years ago, you know, last year we go to uh, Mexico. While we're in Mexico, there's no lie. Now, we, we go to some parts in the Mexican mall, people are stopping and staring at us. Like, you know, they probably thought we were celebrities, right? Like, they were just stopping, like, you know, mm-hmm. two black folks, uh, Cancun, you know, the young man, what are they doing? You know, we were just, you know, it was kind of fly. We, you know, rock, walking around looking pretty fly. And, um, you know, they're kind of like just looking and staring and staring and looking. And, um, and, uh, at the same time, we go into a, it wasn't a foot locker, but it was something like a foot locker. And mm-hmm. when we went in this store, I bullshit you not. You ever see, what was that? Uh, don't Be a Minute. No, what's it, Don't Be a Minute? It's one of those movies where you, it might, you know, it was, it, it was a parody off of Minister Society when they were in the store trying mm-hmm. to get the batteries. Remember that? But everywhere we yep. went, there were Mexican people just like they were like following us everywhere we went in the store. Like they were like watching us as if. Now this is based off stereotype. Yeah. Because you know they ain't got a lot of us there, as if we were going to steal in the store. 
Now, mind you, couldn't steal much because they only had one shoe out of everything, right? And then a lot mm-hmm. of stuff was in Spanish, so they like we understood everything. We just knew, hey, if it looked good, it looked good. And if it didn't look good, it didn't look good. But we were just going based off of that. But, man, the, 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 the stereotypes is real. But you're right. We got to raise that collective bar. And then we also got to hold people, you know, hey, if you are trying to besmirch my brother, I don't have to talk to you politically correct. You've already lost that once you try to denigrate one of us. And we need Mm -hmm. to bring that mentality back. My question of the day on Facebook is, what happened to us? Because I remember as a kid, we were the most feared group. Nobody fears us now. There used to be things that you knew you couldn't do to black people, that you knew you couldn't say. Man, listen, if it was some white kids that was going to pose with a shirt that said nigger, I guarantee you it would be at a school where the population of black people would be one. Yep. And that one might be, you know, that one might be handicapped. You feel me? It would never be Mm -hmm. in a school where there was ten or more black people. Because, you know, 10 or more black folks see something like that, and it's a fight. Yep. My cousin went to Blaine High School, my cousin Earl. Him and seven other kids that was in a group home, and his girlfriend, Teresa Smith. They all fought, all, man, they fought maybe 50 kids at Blaine. Fought 50 of them. Got in trouble because they gave a few of them some concussions, whooping that ass. That, today, we've gotten soft. And the softness then trickled off to our kids. But the softness, brother, it stems from people like Brother Ryan Clark and Mm -hmm. Stacey Dash and Whoopi Goldberg. Be safe, folks, trying to fit in. You can't fit in with people who don't want you to be a part of it. Yeah. And let, let me say this real quick because we only got a few minutes left. I was going to talk about uh, Flint. I, 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 I want people to pay attention, man. There's some news that just came out. Years ago, they got an email that's circulating that showed that the governor had shipped clean water, fresh water, a water cooler to the city of Flint because they were complaining about the water. They knew the water quality wasn't good a couple of years ago. So I I just want to make sure that if you're out there, you understand this is what's wrong with politics in America today. And it's a great story on The Atlantic. I posted on the Rant Radio Facebook page. If you haven't liked it yet, man, go on the Rant Radio Facebook page. Check that joke out. It's The Rant Radio. Um, It's it's talking about the uh, infrastructure failures like Flint that are a crisis for black America. I want people to read this and understand. These people keep pushing you in the inner city, telling you, oh, man, that's the hood. You know, they want you to stay there. Do you know what's going on in those pipes? That water you bathing in? What's going on with your skin? Is it a little bit too dry? Are you getting sores on your skin? How about your health? You know, have you checked your kids for lead poisoning? You know, a lot of times landlords get sued and you think it's in the paint. Can it be coming out of the water? 
8,000 kids in Flint have lead poisoning. They only have 8,000 children living in Flint. Mm. That's 100% of all the children that have lead poisoning. So we need to wake up, and we need to stop getting all emotional because a lot of this have nothing to do with emotion. It's just common sense. It's logic. Let's use our reasoning. And if anybody listened to the show entirely, I am not. I just want to restate this because I know sometimes we use our heart. I am not saying by any any stretch that I believe that black women should be uh, seen and not heard, non-contributors. They don't have a voice. I played the clip with Asada Shakur, a lawyer, talking about how they were targeting African-American women during the struggle in the 60s and 70s and how um, this is still part of the thing. See, those sisters, they were aware of what was going on. They were they they didn't care about having white girlfriends. They had a white friend. The white girlfriend had to be on point and know what was going on. They wasn't trying to kiss ass, change conversation to fit in. I can't say that today. We got a lot of problems, and we got a lot of us, brother O. Especially I'm talking about my sister. Focus on this womanism stuff. I should say woman is feminism, because a black woman is I ain't got no issues with. Man, listen, be a woman, be proud, stand up for yours, go get it. I get sisters mm-hmm. ain't always wrapped right. They ain't always getting their fair due. A lot of knucklehead-ass brothers out there are always mistreating the sisters. Don't see their value. And we're going to have a show about that, too. I was talking to somebody about this, and I said, man, you know, I was talking about the Adrian. All we see is their ass. How do you how do you value a woman and all you see about her quality is her ass, you know? But anyway, I, I'm I'm with womanism. I'm just not against this infighting feminist movement that want to talk more about sexism versus racism, because in all the isms, the big ism, right? The first child mm-hmm. of white supremacy, racism. And if you're not willing to fight the first child of white supremacy racism, man, you're wasting your time with these other isms. As a matter of fact, women are more in the workplace than ever before. Women are having more say-so than ever before. But I'm going to drop the mic on this one, oh, and I'll let you get the last word after this. With all that being said, women are more lonelier now than they ever have been before. Is it worth it? Go ahead, brother. You can go ahead and close us out. I man, I appreciate it, man. Um, shout out to you and uh, anybody else that got a chance to call in rap radio or all the people that maybe didn't comment that, that or that uh, didn't comment but listen. Um, I just want to say this, man. Um, we're at a point in our history uh, in this country where you're gonna have to get up off the sidelines, man. Ain't gonna be no place to the, the the hide or run. Either you will change the system and bring up your people, or you're not. The, the days of a morale defense, so I'm gonna do this and and not be involved is is, is over. So my thing is, man, is get off the get off the sidelines, get off the rope, get involved. Um, if if your concerns are not political and you don't wanna uh fight that major ism, man, find a way to be beneficial to your people. Whether it's giving time to kids, whether it's uh taking a chance to, to find a young person and motivate them into doing better. Uh we gotta do better than we're doing. And my thing is, you know, look yourself in the mirror, black man. Look yourself in the mirror, black woman. Have you done all that you can for you and your people? 
Because it's at the end of the day, uh, all we got is each other. Mm. You can go ahead and buy all this kumbaya. We love everybody stuff if you want to. All we got is we all we got. Uh, let's help us. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, and, and his and his was real. You know, I, I, nobody can say that there's not white folks who ain't step up and help out during the freedom freedom rides and things of that nature. And there's not been you know white there's been white people who stood stood up and fought for abolitionists as abolitionists and, and things of that. John Brown is one of famous white guy. Father Flag is another one inside of Chicago who was um, fighting every day. Um, doing he, he's standing when a lot of black preachers are not standing. Let's keep let's keep it real. We got you know give him his props. But the reality is those are few and far in between. There's not a hundred thousand Father Flags around this country. There's not a hundred thousand John Browns in history. That's not true. There's not. It probably ain't even a hundred, and it, it's not a hundred Father Flagers. So that's mm-hmm. few and far in between, and but there are 24 million African Americans, and with that 24 million, we all got a, a mutual problem, mutual issues. We better try to figure that out, work with each other like brothers saying, and quit worrying about wishing things to be how you want them to be, and deal with them on how things really are. And with that said, this is Rand Radio for today. Tuesday, this uh, January twenty eighth, and yes, we still label around here. With that, we'll be back next week. Y'all be easy. Thank you, brother O, for coming on. Sister Lanisha was listening, chiming in, and everybody else who was in the chat room talking. Peace out. Peace. All right. Peace.